guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. It is, well, Buy Pumpkin bonus episode. Um, you know, I'm in a pretty good mood. I have taken a little break from Twitter for the most part, so that put me in an excellent mood. <laughs> um, I also went to the doctor last week for the first time in a long time. Um, 2020 was supposed to be my year of basically like working on health stuff and you know we all know how 2020 went so I've kind of taken up the mantle in 2021 I just got a well check I have this week I gotta go to gynecologist next week I need a mammogram I'm also gonna start seeing a physical therapist like and I already took care of getting on antidepressants so like I am doing what I need to do um nice part is that my new doctor is a black lady and I can't tell you how like awesome that is to be talking to a black lady about my problems she did not mispronounce my name she you guys you think princess is an easy name to pronounce don't you it's not people mispronounce it all the time they I go hi my name is princess and they go hello precious hello Penelope hello Priscilla (laughs) and then once they finally get that my name is princess they misspell my last name my last name was jones i've had people go uh so miss john a john a's i was like jones jones right and they're like oh oh is that how you say it i thought um i thought it was uh one of those foreign names yeah 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 awesome microaggressions um so it's anyway she didn't pronounce my mispronounce my name she didn't mention my weight she didn't ask me about my weight she was like super proactive about things she like wanted to make sure that they had my other doctors on file so that they could like they could uh, contact each other if necessary she uh asked me about my covid vaccine i told her that i did have one and she was like, okay, well, um, if you load your COVID vaccine card into the system, if you ever are missing it, I will write you a new one because, you know, you've already shown me yours. I was like, oh, that's awesome. Just like solving problems before I had problems. Just, I mean, just the fact that like my appointment was at one o'clock and I was on the exam table by one ten, like blew my fucking mind. But in, in like 45 minutes, I got a physical exam. She gave me some advice on... Um, my chronic illness, which is awesome. Like I've had doctors be like, uh, I don't even know what that is. Good luck with you. <laughs> um, she gave me a breast exam, which the last breast exam that I've had was like fucking shit, maybe 15 years ago. And the reason I, I, I went, I just had a bad experience. Like the last time I was at like a gyno appointment and they basically were like, uh, I don't know. The woman was just like really rude to me while she was inside me I've never I, I don't know I haven't dated a lot of fuck boys so I I've never had anybody be rude to me while also inside my vagina you know and then when she was giving me my um breast exam she was basically like with disgust like these boobs are too big I, I wouldn't even know if something you could have all the cancer in the world and I wouldn't even know if you had it like, she's incredibly rude and I was just like I don't want to do this but um, again, I'm like fixing things that I haven't seen the doctor for in a while. And that was one of them. It was awesome. She gave me the breast exam. Like she wanted to give me a pap, but I have a gynecologist appointment this week. And I was also like, oh, I'm on my period. So I don't think, and she's like, you know what? If you don't feel comfortable, that's fine. But just so you know, I'm a doctor and periods don't scare me. And you can get a pap on your period just so you know. And I was like, oh, that's so like, 
straightforward and like reassuring as opposed to being, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I haven't been to the most professional doctors. Like, you know how it is. So anyway, she was really awesome. She, I got my flu shot this year. I'm, I was, I was overdoing a tetanus shot. She gave me that. They took blood. They took urine, gave me a referral. No drama about the referral. Sometimes a doctor will give you drama about referrals. I don't know why. I don't know if they get like paid less <laughs> if you get a referral. But anyway, she gave me a referral. Awesome. And I got all that done in like 45 minutes, guys. Um, I got all my tests back. I'm doing great. Uh, my cholesterol's awesome. My blood pressure is doing amazing, sweetie. My kidneys and my uh, liver are doing a damn thing. And diabetes, bitch, where? I don't have, like, I feel great, okay? Awesome. I'm healthy for the most part, okay? I'm healthy. And so I just want to get a little sign that I can carry around with me that says, hey, look, I know I'm fat, but I'm healthy, so leave me the fuck alone. Just let me go. We run in tip-top. We run in tip-top conditions over here, okay? <laughs> just leave me the fuck alone. Um. I'm fat, I'm cute, I'm funny, and I'm pretty healthy too, so leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I'm actually not going to be yelling that because I still have to get a pap and a mammogram. And wouldn't it be, wouldn't it just be just desserts when you be running up and down the street yelling, I'm healthy, bitch, and then I have cancer. So, <laughs> not that, like, cancer's a, a, um, a punishment for anything, but you understand what I'm saying. Let's just wait till we get all the results back before I get real wild up in here. Um, so I'm feeling pretty good there and I am going to start, have to start physical therapy. The physical therapy is going to involve people touching me, rubbing their hands on me in a massage like manner. And I'm just going to have to like get through it. <laughs> anyway, so I'm in a pretty good mood and guys, so this week, you know, I'm on, I'm doing, um, celebrity rehab on the Patreon, but I have recently realized that I get to like take a break anytime I want to. And today I want to. And then, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the Lula Rich documentary. I really wanted to watch it. Um, I obviously know a lot about LuLaRoe and LuLaRoe scamming and all that um, based on being on the internet. <laughs> I saw a woman like in like 2018 doing like, uh, trying to do like a LuLaRoe party on Facebook. And I was like, oh, this is the only place you go, huh? <laughs> um, yeah, so like, I, there's obviously, I know a lot about it and and um, other of my favorite podcasters have done things on it. But one thing I'm remembering or I'm kind of realizing is that just because other people are doing episodes on it doesn't mean I shouldn't because my listeners want to hear me, my take on things. And so if someone else we all listen to is doing an episode, it doesn't mean that I can't. Um, you know, this is my podcast and I'm going to cover the things I want to cover. And so I was like, you know what? I'm definitely going to cover this. You guys know I love scamming. I love pyramid schemes. I love Ponzi schemes. I love to talk about these things. I love white collar crime. I love anything where someone 
is doing the crime so they can get money, so that they can get women out of their league, so they can buy big cars for no fucking reason, so they can buy a Sea-Doo, anything like that. So they can buy a house that looks like a, a Cheesecake Factory, any of that. I want, I love a good scam. Anybody that knows me knows me well. There are my favorite scam. And favorite, you guys know what I mean, but this is the one I like to talk about the most. Not necessarily that I think was a good idea and that I support. My favorite scam is the Fruitcake Factory embezzlement in uh, Corsicana, Texas, um, which is where they filmed Cheer. <laughs> and I remember as they were like, yeah, we're in Corsicana. I was like, fruitcakes. <laughs> and my favorite detail about that scam is that the guy was embezzling. They were embezzling so much fucking money. They were spending like $200,000 a month. They were scamming so much money that they were buying new cars all the time. And his wife had to keep buying the same car in the same color so people wouldn't like be like, damn, is that a new car? Is that another new car? <laughs> and my favorite part about the scam is that like these people... In no way should have had this money. In no way should have been buying new cars. In no way should have been buying like all these uh, Civil War memorabilia they were buying. All these watches. All these fucking vacations. There's no way they could fucking afford it. Okay. He was the head accountant at a fruitcake factory. Um, a very well-known fruitcake factory. But still. There's no fucking way they should have... These people should have had this money. And so people just walking around. All of a sudden, this guy's got this money. He's just walking around with all these nice watches. He buying cars. He doing this and that. And no one was like, hmm, is that the guy in charge of the money? <laughs> he did this for, I, I, what I, my, uh, what I, if I remember correctly, he did this for years. And no one was like, damn, man. That guy who we pay like, I don't know, he's getting paid like $80,000, $100,000 a year. That guy. He's bought like four new cars. Is anybody, is anybody, does he write the checks? <laughs> so good. And it, it went down with my favorite, the way scams always go down, or the favorite way, my, my favorite way scams go down, get discovered, is that you're out sick, right? <laughs> you're not there. And they, add, and they ask someone else to do your job. And that person goes, wait a fucking minute. <laughs> These numbers don't add up. These checks don't go. What is going on? And then they take it to your boss who goes, mm. and then you come back to work the next day and everyone's like, hold up, wait a minute. <laughs> That's my favorite way for a scam to get discovered. Not something simply as you did not come to work. Because people who don't take their vacations and ain't never sick, and won't let you look at the computer. Something's there, baby. Um, that's what happened to the horse lady. The lady who basically bankrupted a town. What town was it? It's a small town. And she was buying fucking horses and shit. She was, and she was showing them. And she was uh, traveling all around the world. But she was never not at work. And she wasn't at work. And they found out this bitch been writing checks to herself for years and years and years. And she bankrupted an entire fucking town. She was working for the government, a small town government. Anyway, I digress. I love a good scam, okay? I love to hear about the scams. I am just very interested in what makes people so greedy and what makes people, what people think they can get away with. And I'm also interested in the way we prosecute uh, white collar crime and the fact that like 
most of the play, most of the um, funding for that sort of prosecution is or investigation. They're grossly underfunded. It's why a lot of tax crimes go on on um, prosecuted. It's why a lot of uh, stock market crimes go unprosecuted. I mean, there are other reasons, and one of them is incompetence. But like Bernie Madoff. There was someone blowing the whistle on Bernie Madoff for nine years through investigations, SEC investigations. Yeah, and as he said, he didn't think he was gonna get. He has no. He didn't. He's very shocked he got away with it as long as he did. That's a really interesting case. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm gonna get off topic here because don't get me started on Madoff, but. Um, yeah, I'm like, this is like up my wheelhouse. I absolutely want, is it up your wheelhouse? No, it's not. That sounds like some up your ass. Uh, it's in my wheelhouse. And, you know, I like to do more documentaries. I don't always know which ones to do. Um, and so this one was coming out and I was like, absolutely. I gotta, I gotta look at that one. Um, I'd love to see a bird's eye view of the scam as opposed to like me being like on the internet during like the 2017 meltdown of the whole thing. Um... It's a four-part documentary. They're, they're each 42 minutes long. As always, I think it's too long. I think they could have done this in two or three parts. Three parts, probably. So it's more than I give most of these docu-series. Uh, that said, they're easy watches. Like, I was watching them with kids around me. I was watching them, like, during bath times and stuff. It was no big deal. It was It's an easy thing to watch. Um, I think the characters are really interesting. I think they got some good people on the screen to talk about um, from different sides. I also think that like one of the, the retailers, the retailers, um, was still selling LuLaRoe. So they got people that sued LuLaRoe. They got people that, that got out, but don't hold anything against LuLaRoe. They got people that are still with them. They got people that say LuLaRoe ruined their lives and they got Deanne and Mark the founders and owners of the, of the business. And I thought that was really interesting. Um, I would say that the people who made this documentary really thought they were doing a, um, like a unbiased few. I don't know if that, if they pulled that off. I mean, I think it was an obvious answer to like, is LuLaRoe a scam? I think the answer is very obvious in what they presented. Um, if you, even if you've never heard of it, uh, I had questions about why Deanne and Mark participated in it. I don't know what they thought would come of it. I don't like, unless they only talked to Deanne, Mark and their children and people that still work at LuLaRoe, then it was never going to be good look for them. Um, and I think they realized that because at the end they said that Mark and Deanne refused a second interview. And I was like, you should have refused the first interview because if you haven't participated in this documentary, there's a lot of like, um, there's a lot of plausible deniability you could like put out there and say, well, I didn't say that and I don't know that. This, there's a lot of things you could be like, well, that was completely, they didn't talk to us. They don't have our side of the story. That was very biased. But because you're in it, and you're on camera, and you can say they took things out of context, but you don't look good. I don't know how you could have looked good, to be honest. So yeah, like, I uh, I, I can't imagine their legal counsel told them this would be a good idea. I can't imagine that. Because if I were their legal counsel, um, 
I'm assuming they started filming this before they settled the big case at Washington State in 2021. But uh, I would have been like, no, don't, don't. Just say no comment on everything. Um, they also interspersed their interview with Deanne and Mark with depositions from their the big case that settled in 2021. So a lot of times they were contradicting themselves from that de- deposition to the interview. And I'll get to that, but uh, that looked bad. Uh, their kids looked bad. To be quite honest, with the exception of the children who were, who were uh, involved in the case, I wouldn't have let them put my, I, I've been like, I don't wanna participate in this. Um, but it's quite possible they didn't because when they talk about their children, they use still pictures and that might be from like social media or something. Um, but I still don't know if you can use it. I don't, I don't, I think the copyright law is, uh, is gray there about whether or not, whether they're a public figure and whether you can use this photo to, I don't know. But if they had asked me, will you interview? I'd be like, no, no. Even if I didn't think it was a scam, even if I was just like, Oh, this is my parents' business. I work there, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, no, I can't. I don't, I don't want to be on a documentary. I mean, the answer to almost anything, the police coming to my door, an interview, <laughs> uh, do you want to go to lunch? All those things is usually no, <laughs> because like, I don't know what's going to happen once we get there. Sorry. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so let's start at the beginning. The, the founders are Mark and Deanne and they met on a plane. Deanne was a single mother of seven children, three adopted from Romania, I believe, four biological, and she was going through a divorce, and he had four kids, and then together, they, so that made 11, together they adopted some more kids, so total they have 14 kids, and two of the children are married. It's a little, like, everyone acknowledges the two, the two children that are married is weird, but they do want to make sure we know they did not grow up in the same home. They are not biologically related. <sighs> okay. I still find that weird, but okay. Um, you know, they're Mormons, okay? They're Mormons. So what does that tell you? Um, they have a lot of kids, obviously. They tend to believe in conservative value, family values. Um, they're also kind of, uh, encouraged to be entrepreneurs, right? Like Mark starts crying. So let me describe Mark to you. Mark is any rich white guy who thinks that his, his financial success is a result of, is a one-to-one of how hard he worked. Like that is a big thing in LuLaRoe. Um, it is you make as much money as you're willing to go out there and get. And as if everyone is the same playing field, as if things like market saturation don't, don't matter, as if things like um, socioeconomic factors don't matter. He's just like that. I mean, any rich white person I've worked for is like that. Um, so he's not a surprise. Like one of the things he, he'll say is that, Everyone got the same box of clothes and some people made a million dollars of it. Some people put it in the closet because they were afraid of it. Um, they have videos because they do a lot. They, they've got a lot of videos of, of LuLaRoe leadership meetings and um, 
the weekly calls that they would do. And I mean, because they did a lot of them. And like in one of them, Mark's on the screen, he's like, my clothes are, my, my, my styles are stale. No, you're stale. And I'm like, yeah, he looks like Santa Claus. He's got the, he's got the fucking beard. And he's a little portly and he's, and he's, and he's got the country accent and he's, and he's, and he's, he's full of, uh, he's full of, uh, country sayings and shit. But that guy's, that guy is fucking evil. You can tell. You can tell that he's a, that when he shows up doing the dad jokes and the, and all that for the interview for the documentary, and as they show him in other, in other uh, places, videos of him in other places, I'm like, yeah, because that, he show, he put on his good face to come here. Um, he starts crying as he, he gets emotional. As he says, his father's told him that the only thing worse than being flat broke is knowing that you're going to make $412 a week for the rest of your life. And to that I say, fuck you. A lot of people wish they made $412 a week for the rest of their lives. A lot of people wish that. Because a lot of people make $206 a week. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, he's very much LLC Twitter, rise and grind. You have as many hours in a day as Beyonce. They wouldn't say Beyonce. Well, yes, they would say Beyonce. But more like you have as many hours in a day as Elon Musk. You know, that guy that grew up in a diamond mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have as many hours in a day as him. Why, didn't, why aren't you doing those things? That sort of shit. You know, that prosperity, um, that prosperity spiritualism, you know? Like, you, the fact that you're broke is because you didn't pray hard enough, you didn't work hard enough, or you're too negative, right? That That's what they sound like. Um... Deanne, so this all starts with Deanne. And that's one of the reasons why LuLaRoe has a very, like, fake feminist girl power um, tinge to it. Deanne started by selling dresses that she bought from a person selling wholesale, okay? Um, she says a guy. So I'm thinking she's she's at a swap meet or somebody selling on the street or whatever. And she had been looking at these little girls' dresses and the dresses could be sold for like, like you could buy them in a store for like, you know, $80, $100, but he's selling them for 10 bucks. And so she buys about four of them and then she realizes that like she can flip them. And so she starts buying more and then having little parties at her house to sell the dresses. And, you know, that grows for a while and... Um, she starts to, you know, she's making money with it and she's give, she's doing like, you know, uh, four parties a day. And as one, a Mormon who, uh, has community around her, goes to church, um, you know, is involved in a lot of community activities and stuff. You have a lot of connections. And so she is able to like leverage those social connections into selling these dresses, right? And at one point, one of her kids asked her to make her a maxi dress. Um, you know, she's always sewn and done little things like that. And maxi dresses are easy, by the way. Um, they're just a tube. Um, well, an A-line tube. Uh, although I'll say that some of those dresses they were wearing were ju literally just tubes. They were, they were, they, I mean, 
very simple construction. But anyway, um, so she makes the little dress and people like the little maxi dress and people like it. Also, again, Mormon um, modesty, right? So a maxi dress is something that a lot of people wear because they want to cover body parts and things like that. I mean, they're not going to be wearing hot pants and very short skirts and whatnot. So she starts selling the dress, the skirts along with it. Um, and she would just go get a few pat, get some, um, some patterns or some fabric and make a few in small, medium, large and sell them along the dresses. Um, and it began, that's like a key part of LuLaRoe, the limited editions of it, that I am going to sell these patterns for as long as I, for as long as I have them. And when they're gone, they're probably gone. So do you like this? You should get it today because once it's not here, I don't, I can't give it to you again. I'm not making a thousand more. Oh, this is a good time to talk about how LuLaRoe starts in 2013. Okay. And it's based on these maxi skirts that she's selling. And it is named after their first three granddaughters. Uh, Lucy, Lola, and Monroe, okay? That's, I always wonder where they got that fucking name from, but that's what it's called. So, they, at this point, they get into what an MLM is, which is not something I don't think any of you need to know. I, like, this is what I meant by we could have cut this a little short, but I guess the idea is that the People, they're making this documentary for Amazon. It's on Amazon Prime, by the way. It came out last Friday. There, there are lots of people who do not know what an MLM is. So let me just give you like a quick, an MLM is a direct sales company. And what that means is that they use, that they have people using their personal connections to sell directly to consumers, as opposed to um, the company selling wholesale to reta retailers who then market and, well, Sometimes companies do the marketing too, but who then are in charge of marketing, pricing, and selling to uh, end users, okay? With MLMs, it does not go through a store per se, it goes through a direct salesperson. And an MLM is a legit business setup structure, okay? They are, the reason people, <laughs> The reason MLMs in general have a bad reputation is because one, you have to leverage your, your personal connections. And a lot of people don't want to be sold to, especially by somebody that they know. They don't want to like get a message from someone that goes, hey, you should try these oils. And I'm like, I have not spoken to you in two years. Why are you bothering me? Like Amway's a very famous MLM company. Avon is. Um, what is it? What is the, what's the woman with the, they gave away the pink. What is it? It's not Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye wore a lot of makeup. She didn't do Mary Kay. <laughs> Mary Kay. Um, uh, they're, they're, MLMs have been a thing for a very long time. Okay. But here's the thing. MLMs are different from pyramid schemes, but MLMs lend themselves to be pyramid schemes. So a pyramid scheme is a business model that asks members to recruit other members in order to gain money. And the way it works is that the people at the bottom fund the people at the top. 
Now, you could be in a pyramid scheme and not know you're in a pyramid scheme. That's like, I mean, to a certain, that's the Madoff stuff. That's a lot of investment schemes in that I get new investors and I pay old investors with the new investors' money as opposed to through investments like I said they, I would. Um, and those people don't know they're part of a pyramid scheme. The person operating the pyramid scheme knows it. But things like ML, when MLMs become pyramid schemes, often the people inside the MLM understand they're in a pyramid scheme because they're, instead of selling a product, they make the most of their money from recruiting other people to sell the products. See, an MLM will tell you it's not a pyramid scheme if it sells a product, but that's not true. You can sell a product, a good product. It, people can even want the product as lots of people did for LuLaRue. However, if the bulk of the money is to be made through recruiting other members into the business model, that is a pyramid scheme. It is a very thin line. Lots of places, lots of like businesses ride it. Lots of MLMs ride it. It's, but that is, that is the main difference between a pyramid scheme and an MLM, okay? So they tell us what that is. They explain that to the, to the people. Next, time, next person we see is the third retailer to join. Guys, I don't remember people's names. I don't think you need to remember their, their names either. But she's the third retailer. That's what they call sales consultants retailers because they're saying that you own a business at this point. You're a franchisee, which they can't say that because owning a franchise is very different than being an MLM because there are legal definitions of franchises. There are legal things you must do to sell a franchise. Like owning a McDonald's franchise is not the same as being a consultant for LuLaRoe, okay? By the way, one of the, one of the best stories of the, I've read in the past year has been about McDonald's requiring franchises. Like, cause that's why the Federal Trade Commission is investing in McDonald's right now. They requiring franchisees to, to have to like sell ice cream, McFlurries, that shit from a machine from a certain retailer. McDonald's gets kickbacks from that retailer for what, for those machines, right? And the machine is a very delicate machine. There are like 17 steps to making ice cream, McDonald's ice cream products. And the machine would break down anytime, right? Uh, and it would not tell you what you did wrong. Did you, did you pour it in wrong? Did you, was it not frozen for a month? It would not tell you. It would just break down and be like, I'm broke, bitch. And then you'd have to call the company and they would send out a person to fix it. And they wouldn't tell you what they'd done to fix it. You just pay, you pay your, you pay your service fee and off you go. Then some other people who I believe they used to be franchisees realized they invented a little thing that they could stick in one of those machines that it would tell you what was wrong with it when it broke down. It would say, oh, you didn't put the, you put, you put, you know, just a smidge too much of product in it. You, it needs to be cleaned. Uh, this part needs to be oiled, whatever. It would, it would tell you immediately. So you could buy this machine, put it inside your ice cream machine, and then you could know what was wrong with the fucking machine. And you, and instead of, you know how McDonald's famously, their ice cream machine doesn't work, right? That, that was part of the reason. Um, it's a very delicate machine. So at first McDonald's was fine with it, 
But what they realized is they were is that this third party retailer that makes the machines was not getting as many service fees because it was fixing it. It was helping them do this. It was helping them not rely on it. And so McDonald's sued them. Um, excuse me. Maybe McDonald's didn't sue them. Maybe they sued them first because I I want there's a I posted the story on my Twitter. And I'll post it again. But there is a part where like there was some double agents and they stole the machine and they reverse engineered it and the machine had a GPS on it so they knew where it was like all this stuff and it became a lawsuit and the people who invented that little tiny machine that fixes McDonald's ice cream machines won the lawsuit. I didn't think they were gonna fucking win. I mean, McDonald's has so much fucking money. The think about the lawyers McDonald's hires. Uh, you're wrong about recently. I haven't listened to it yet, but you're wrong about recently did the McDonald's hot coffee um, scandal, and I haven't listened to it yet. But I know all about it and how it really was just a case of like they burnt up this bitch, they threw some coffee and it burnt her up, and then really. It became, look at this greedy bitch who just wants money and stuff like that. But um, I'm going to listen to it. I'm, I'm just very familiar with the case already. McDon- Think of the type of lawyers McDonald's hires. I can't believe they, they didn't win that case. Um, I mean, uh, justice is blind, but she does take payments, okay? So, <laughs> um, and now the FTC, uh, the Federal Trade Commission, is looking into McDonald's because of this relationship with this third-party retailer, because of the way that they uh, force their franchisees to use this retailer, and like uh, being a franchise owner. I'm off topic, so let me just cut it with this: being a franchise owner. It's very different from being a LuLaRoe retailer, LuLaRoe consultant, because there are laws in place to make sure there's a difference there. You can't, like, uh, for, I listen, I used to watch The Prophet all the time. It was one of my favorite shows. Please don't tell me anything bad about Marcus Lemonis. However, I've seen so many episodes where people were just selling franchises unlawfully, incorrectly, and like basically scamming people. You have to, it's gotta be a specific way. Um, why am I talking about that? I think, I guess I was saying that like, um, an MLM, a franchise, like a pyramid scheme, these all have, a pyramid scheme, these all have legal definitions. So the third retailer to get in the, get in the door with LuLaRoe. Uh, again, I forgot her name. She's in Washington state, a military wife. She was pregnant. She bought one of these maxi skirts. So it's just like basically the most comfortable thing in the world when you're pregnant is a maxi skirt. And she's right. A maxi, like I live in Texas. It's hot all the fucking time. I own so many maxi dresses and so many maxi skirts. I just like fucking throw them on. I don't have to look like shit. I don't, and all of a sudden people are like, oh, I love your dress. Oh, you look so cute. I just threw on a dress from Old Navy. It's it just got a cute pattern on it. And it's roomy, so I can sit however I fucking want to. I got a breeze going up underneath this bitch, and it feels good. Um, and so she wanted to buy more. And at this point, you couldn't even contact them online. She had to call the company and ask could she buy more. And essentially, Deanne convinced her that since, since she knew she wanted to buy more and couldn't find it, like other people would too, and that, that this woman should sell. LuLaRoe, Deanne flies out. This is the early days. Deanne flies out to, by the way, let me describe Deanne. Deanne is 
very southern, very blonde hair, um, very much like um, you gotta you gotta treat your man right if you want him to treat you right. You know, apparently at some point she was telling some of the retailers that to get what you want for your man, you just gotta get on your knees for five minutes, suck it up, and move on. <laughs> she's um. She's what you think a lot of women from Texas are like, right? She's she's a very stereotype, typical person. Um, but she flies on out, and she and she talks to the woman, and she she the lady says that she showed her how to fold the skirts and put them in the bags, right? And she showed her how like how to have a a, a sales party, and basically gets her set up. And at this point, the sell the sales structure was very specific. She sells. She sells uh, to retailers for $10 a skirt. They sell it for $25. They get a $15 profit. Very simple. You buy your skirts. Send. I'll send you, you know, I'll send you the skirts and you sell them however you want to. Um, which is a wholesale retail relationship. That's how it normally works. I mean, there can be some stipulation. There can be some things that change, but that's how it normally works. I'm going to sell it to you for a discount price because you're going to buy it in bulk and then you mark it up to whatever you want or like to a reasonable amount and then you sell it however you want. Now, uh, if you can't sell them, now you own all these skirts and that's what it is. Uh, and there are no like, I'm not going to require how you sell them. I'm not going to tell you. I mean, again, depending on your contract, you can have a contract that says we want this type of signage and we want and we're going to... Uh, require that you send this amount and that if we don't sell this amount you'll buy back at this amount like there the, the contracts can get very complicated but the basic wholesale retail agreement is i'm going to sell to you low you're going to mark it up and sell it yourself and the profit is yours and what you don't sell then you take a bath on and that's what it is so she's one of the third retailers okay um you know, uh, in 2014, so 2013, they create LuLaRoe LLC, Limited Liability Corporation. Um, in 2014, uh, LuLaRoe starts selling leggings, okay? So the big, that, this is what LuLaRoe is known for. These thick, buttery soft leggings with bright patterns on them. Um... Some of them are quite ugly, but you know, they're bright. They, they have a lot of, um, I don't know. They just, they have things on them like flying clocks or hearts or these, like you cannot miss these patterns. Okay. These leggings are thick too. Okay. So this is, this isn't right when leggings were getting really big. Leggings were, have been big for quite a while by 2014, but they fit everybody, okay? Um, you put a tunic over them. Um, they're basically not even stay-at-home mom. They're basically mom wear, okay? You understand what I'm saying? Middle-aged women wear. Even younger women are wearing them, but they're just easy to put on. Um, one of the reasons LuLaRoe would have never got me, well, let, I'll tell you. I'll tell you why it would have got me. Uh, the community, right? Because guys, I don't want to go to church. I just want to go to a building every week where I talk about my like-minded beliefs with like-minded people. Maybe someone gives a, a speech on some sort of lesson that we can like ruminate on for the week. Um, the kids all go off to another room where they teach more about these like-minded ideas we all have. 
Um, there are signups for committees you can join to do community works. There are support groups that you can go to on Thursday night. Maybe you could join a choir of some sort. You know, if you like to sing, you know, you could sing songs about your like-minded beliefs. Um, if you're having some troubles personally, maybe the person in charge of the place, you can go and talk to them about them and they can counsel you based on the ideas of your like-minded beliefs. Um, you know, they, that's where I want to go, but I don't want to go to church. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to go to church. And that sense of community, that sense of like, of like, I really envy people who all their family has to do is find a church or a synagogue or a temple or whatever the fuck you believe in that is near you, that's convenient to you, that you like the leader of them and you like the way they do things and you join and suddenly you've got a built-in fucking community. You've got people you know, you've got places to go on Sundays or Saturdays or Friday nights, wherever the fuck y'all go. You have, um... You have carnivals to attend where you raise money for good causes. You have um, lock-ins. You guys remember lock-ins? I don't, do they even do those anymore? I mean, hopefully not in the pandemic, but where you would go and you'd hang out and you'd eat pizza and, this is kids, you eat pizza and dance. And it's basically an overnight dance, okay? <laughs> where you just do stuff till you fall asleep. And in the morning, your, your parents come and pick you up. Um, like, I would, like, Suddenly, you, if you want, you have a community. You have a support system because you guys have all come together over like-minded religious beliefs. I would love that. And so the community that LuLaRoe represents would be enticing to me. But here's how they couldn't get me. I don't wear leggings. I've never worn leggings. I just don't like them. I don't like leggings. Um, I don't like selling shit. I don't like people negging me <laughs> because and we'll get to that part. I don't like people negging me because I didn't do what they wanted me to do. Um, I remember <laughs> when I was just like, it was my, my, my summer as a first year of college. I was living with some friends in Virginia beach. Um, I didn't have a job. I had an apartment though. So that was a problem. And I was looking for jobs. My mom was like pissed at me. She like, first of all, my mom, like if it were me, I would be nervous that my 19 year old kid was living like in an apartment with, with no job. And I'd be like, how the fuck is that going to work? I guess I need to just make sure their room is open for them because they might have to come back and live with me. Cause this bitch is about to get evicted, right? <laughs> That's what I'd be thinking. Like in my head, I'd be like, all right, well just make sure the room that you can't change it to your sewing room. Cause they're going to be back. My mom was stressed the fuck out about it. And I remember like, again, these I'm old. I was like in the newspaper looking for jobs and there was a job interview and like for like a salesperson where you could make a thousand dollars a week. And I was like, that sounds good to me. <laughs> so I was, I was, it said, come, I called and they were like, yeah, we're going to have interviews on this day. So I was like, all right, I'm coming. I don't have business casual clothes. I'm 19. I just got out of the college. I'm just like started college. I don't have business casual clothes, but you know, I figure out something. My mom gives me a ride and she's like, how are you going to get over here if you have to, if you get the job? I was like, I will figure that out, but I need a thousand dollars a week. So I'm going to go. So I go in there. I sit, there's a bunch of people there and they're all like, you guys just sit down. We're going to um, start our interview soon, blah, blah, blah. But it was more like a meeting than it was like a interview like type thing. 
And this guy gets in there and starts talking. And he starts talking about how this company sells cleaning products. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know if I can sell cleaning products. The truth is, I didn't know if I could sell it. I hate selling stuff. It's the reason why I hate job interviews, looking for how to places to live, it, or even buying a car. I hate having to prove I hate having to convince people that they want, they want me. This is, what, this is why I don't market this fucking podcast the way I should. I should be getting on. I hate having to be like, pick me, pick me, pick me. I hate that. I'm more like a, this is my shit. Do you want it? It's like, that's, you don't want it? Okay, then get away from me. That's, that's, that's how I feel. My whole life is built around the fact that I hate having to convince people to pick me. Um, but... I'm like, I don't even know if I can sell things, but okay, $1,000 a week, that's, I could do that. And then they kind of say, talk about how the job will consist of us selling um, cleaning products and like as many cleaning products as you make, as much money as you, as you make. Like, you know, basically you can set your own income and if you bring other people in to do it, you can also make bonuses. And this is when I just like get up <laughs> and, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go. And they were like, wait, where are you going? Where are you going? You know, this is exactly the part where people think it's like a pyramid scheme, but it's not. And I was like, I, I, I need a job, man. <laughs> and I leave and my mom's out in the car waiting for me and I get in the car and she's like, well, and I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. This is the closest I've gotten to being like... <laughs> Pitched a pyramid scheme. The other, the other closest place I've gotten is Tupperware. Like when I was growing up, my mom loved shit like that. She never sold anything, but she, she would love to go to Tupperware parties, host Tupperware parties, uh, interior designs. I think that was the name of the company where you buy like pictures for your walls. Mary Kay. My mom, my mom had a Mary Kay lady. My mom loved Mary Kay. Um, what else? Avon, my mom loves fucking Avon. She get that little book and stuff. Uh, <laughs> my mom fucking loves that shit. Uh, I'll say this about my mom. My mom is a girl's girl. Okay, my mom has girlfriends. My mom hangs out with her girlfriends. My mom always knows like three girls, two from work. This is from church. I know this one from NA. We're all gonna go out to lunch. Like my mom is definitely a lady who goes out to lunch. She's a girl's fucking girl. She's always got girlfriends and she's always on the phone for hours talking to people, telling other people's business, talking about Oprah, counseling them on why they need to leave their man. Like she loves that shit. And so my mom always had a lot of friends that did stuff like that. And I remember like being at Tupperware parties and stuff. I remember like going with my mom to her Mary Kay lady so she could buy stuff and everything. Um, but as an adult, like, I was uninterested in Tupperware, okay? Why would I buy Tupperware when I can go to Target and buy similar shit for cheaper and I also don't have to come to your house? So, but I live with someone who was gonna have a Tupperware party. It was a roommate. Her cousin needed to have a Tupperware party, so she was having a Tupperware party. And I did not want to attend a Tupperware party. I was like, okay, well, you know, what day's the party? I can be gone by then. If I come back and go to my room and like mind my business. And she was like, no, 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 princess, we really want you to come. She needs as many people to come as possible. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to buy anything. Like, I was a single, I was like, fuck, I was maybe 23, 24. I was like, I don't need Tupperware. But I go and I'm sitting and I'm like watching the demonstrations and stuff like that. And 
I think Tupperware is a thing where they burp it when they like burp, like see how the see how the air comes out of it. And she starts giving out prizes. Okay, she's like, everyone here has won a prize. I was like, oh wow, I'm gonna get a prize. Cool. And she starts giving out prizes. She gives me a little box. I open it, and it's a cup in it, a cup with a top on it. I said, okay, cool, 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 cool. I got a prize. Um, feeling special. And then inside the prize, she's like, no, 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 that's not the prize. The prize is inside the cup. And I say, oh, okay. So I take the top off and I open the cup. And inside it said, you've won a free Tupperware party. And in my mind, I was like, no, I don't want to win a free Tupperware party. But I don't say anything. I'm like, oh, mm, interesting. So later, I'm like minding my business, you know, in, in my room, you know, a couple weeks later. And I get like an email and it's her wanting to set up a Tupperware party in which I would need to invite like 20 friends and she would come and sell them Tupperware. And I was like, I, I sat on the email cause I was like, I don't, I don't know about all that. <laughs> and finally I just emailed her back and was like, I'm really not interested in having a Tupperware party but thank you for offering it to me. I just don't really know 20 people that could come to a Tupperware party. And I don't know anybody interested in Tupperware. And I feel like it would just be like a bunch of people like just looking at you, you know? Um, yeah, my mom went to the, what's the sex toy MLM? What's the sex, my mom used to go to those too. My mom used to do all, she, mom loved fucking ML, MLMs. And so I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And so she was, sent me an email back that was really nasty about how I taken advantage of her. I was like, you took advantage of me with this fucking fake ass prize. And she said I had to give back the cup. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I don't know where the cup is. So, and she's like, well, then you have to pay for it. It's $24.99. I was like, that, that cup is not $24.99. And then I just stopped answering emails from her because, so those are my experiences with MLMs. I like, unfortunately, I'm just not that type of person. I don't wear leggings. I don't hang out with women who wear leggings and tunics and chunky necklaces like you know uh middle-aged mom types mom types you know I don't hang out with those type of people um I was just thinking about it like you know last year I was like I definitely need more mom friends I all my friends don't have kids all of them so that's interesting um but I just don't it, it's not my it's not my demographic that's how they couldn't have got me not because princess is so smart and princess knows all the scams I do know all the scams doesn't mean I won't fall for them <laughs> doesn't mean that's part of it you know they always say that not Zay there's a saying that says you can't scam an honest man and the idea is this is that that people who want something for nothing are the best cons right because they're willing to believe things because they want something for nothing. And an honest person would say, there's no way you could do that. There's no way I'm going to give you $1 and you're going to give me $1,000 next week. It's not, that's, and, and that even people who, the victims, to be honest, the victims of these scams are looking to get over somehow. And that's why they get involved in those scams. I don't know if that's true. I really don't, especially when I look at the demographic of, of LuLaRoe, which is really stay-at-home moms, right? Um, you know, LuLaRoe had its big explosion in, 20, in 2016, right? Started in 2013. They started selling leggings in 2014. By 2016, they are having explosive growth. And what's, the, what's, the, what's making them so popular? One, lots of people, it's, we're, we're, 
uh, we're in recession times. We're not doing great. Lots of people need extra money. Um, lots of people want to be stay-at-home moms to their kids. I wish, guys, I wish I was a stay-at-home mom. I don't think I could, I would make it. I don't think I would make it. I love to be busy. And I'm not saying stay-at-home moms aren't busy and don't do anything. That's not true. But I actually like to work. And I like the work I do. And But if I had the chance right now to be married to, like, someone who made a lot of fucking money and I just got to hang out with my kids most of the day and homeschool them and I'd get up at 5, I'd write till about 7, I'd wake them up and do messy breakfasts with them and be able to, like, I don't know, make artisan lunches and take them to the to the aquarium i would i like hanging out with my kids they're annoying but everybody in the fucking world is annoying they're not more annoying than everybody else in the world and i think like we're in the midst of a big push that like you really need to be at home with your kids and you know staying home with your kids keeps them from being uh taken advantage of by predators you they learn more they like you know, this, this, especially our country, this world, honestly, but our country really believes that if you have kids, you need to work as if you don't have kids and mothers, if you don't have to work. And that is fucking tough. And divorcing yourself from that is tough too, because you really want the best for your children and is the best for your children, not you. So yeah, it's tough to like, like noodle your way around that and get to a place where you don't feel guilt all the time about things. I need to make money, but I also need to be around my kids. And so like people want to be stay at home moms. People want an extra income. It really, it really, uh, it really appealed to like conservative women who really do like, if your religion tells you that you need to be at home, at home mother and have a husband who makes money, but then you can also do this thing on the side to, to add to the finances to like, you know, if you, if you, even $150 should change, then you can take your kids to the zoo or you can buy new clothes or like you can contribute to the household or have money for yourself. Like it became very explosive during that time. And also af- athleisure was getting big. Um, it already had been big, but we real I mean, we've been in leggings for a while by 2016, but it was getting big. 2015, 2016, big 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 it's all we wear now but remember there's a time when you were expected to uh zip up some jeans you know what i'm saying like (laughs) so these all contributed to like a big boom in 2016. but one thing to remember about lularoe is that with many mlms you are selling the exact same product product that everyone else is selling, right? You got the same lipsticks, you got the same vitamins, you got the same, I don't know, essential oils, you got all that shit, okay? However, with LuLaRoe, they had limited edition prints. Again, they would have, they, they interviewed a designer who said, in the corporate office, you were required to come up with 100 new prints a day. I don't even know how that's possible. Um, but so you had to come up with new prints, new prints, new prints. They, even if they were like a variation on the old print. And what LuLaRoe would do is like, you did not, you could not, you could order sizes. You could order, they had um, dresses, uh, leggings and skirts, I think. Um, you could order them. 
You could order sizes, but you could not pick prints. So what you got in your box was what you fucking got in your box. And they would be limited edition. So it became very competitive to open your boxes and see what, what prints and colors and things you had this time. Because you might have a unicorn. And what they say by unicorn is a print that you've been looking for. Um, that someone's been looking for. So that what made it a little, that's what made it a little bit different than other MLMs. Like you can go get your shade of red from every Mary Kay per every Mary Kay like lady, but you can only get these leggings from this person, which is ingenious. Like I, l- let me tell you something. Obviously fuck LuLaRoe, right? Obviously. <laughs> Obviously. But, <laughs> but, a, jo- um, a gig, well, they always said part-time work, full-time income, which as soon as you see that, that's a lie, okay? That's a lie. No, Nobody's giving you part-time, full-time income or part-time work. It's just not, it's not a thing. But listen, people want leggings, right? You're going to PTA, what the fuck are you going to wear? You're going to wear your little fire truck leggings and a, and a, a long shirt and some sort of chunky necklace, Okay, <laughs> that's what you're gonna wear. There was a there's a market for it, and people did like them. And the idea of being um, a stay at home mom and being able to work a certain amount, and then when your kids get out of school, you're there for them. Or if you if if you need to, if your kid's sick or something's going on, you gotta go pick them up. You don't have to lose your fucking job to do that. That is that is uh, luring. That would lure me. That's why so many so many uh, moms I know freelance, right? So they can free so they can do. When I was freelancing, a lot of people I worked with were freelancers. I mean, were moms because you can get your workday around your kids and work from home. You don't have to be in the corporate fucking world where you have to wear certain clothes and go in there and smile at people you hate and stuff. And here you are, you do like clothes, you do like leggings, you wear them all the fucking time. People want to buy them. Every time you go somewhere with your little unicorn leggings, people are like, where'd you get those? And then you get matching unicorn leggings for your kid. Like, I get it. I fucking get it. I, I don't want, if, I don't I don't know if, if you've ever heard me saying this, but if I did, I was fucking lying that I would be like, who would wear those? No, I know. Who would sell that? Who would get fall for that? I know who would fall for that. Plenty of people would. Plenty of pe- fucking people would. So one of the people that is prominent throughout the entire documentary is Courtney. Courtney, I do remember her name. Courtney is, uh, she started in 2015. She's got dark hair and, and uh, she cries a lot in the dark. So that's a, so if you don't remember, that's Courtney. And she would, in 2015, when she started, by 2015, you had to, to start up with LuLaRoe, you had to, it was, the startup cost was at least $5,000. I mean, you can go to 10, but you had to buy 305 pieces to start off with. And for her, she took out a loan. Now, now, they told people not to go in debt. Like they, the, the uh, officially they'd be like, don't go into debt to do this. But they'd say, you can get a no interest credit card. Um, you can sell some things. They had women, they would suggest they sell breast milk. Um, by the way, selling breast milk is not like, the way they talked about the documentary and the way like some of the news programs and documentary talked about it, it was like they told them to go out and sell themselves on the street. Um, 
selling breast milk is not a terrible thing. Some people donate breast milk. There are breast milk collectives for people who cannot make enough breast milk or, um, you know, babies in the NICU and like it, um, the exchange of breast milk, even for money, is not like filthy or anything like that. They really did talk about it that way. Um, but I will agree that if someone's like, you definitely need to get into to this, you get into this on the ground floor, you need $5,000, and you're like, I don't have $5,000, I'm broke. This is one of the reasons I want to sell this and make money for my family. And they're like, okay, well, what do you have? Oh, are you, is that a baby in the background? Girl, are you making breast milk? Girl. You can make money. Like, that is gross to me. To someone being like, you know, you definitely need to do this. And selling breast milk is a great idea. Selling breast milk on itself is not gross to me. And I don't, I don't, I don't, sharing breast milk isn't gross. I, I personally, I don't think that um, as a whole. But yeah, they would be basically telling them, um, do whatever the fuck you have to. Um... But the business is doing well. And at this point, uh, Mark and Deanne bring in their family member. And what they do, they get all these kids. Again, they got 14 kids and grandkids and cousins and blah, blah, blah. And they bring them all there and they say, and they start putting up the numbers of what the company's doing. The company's growing great. They're making all this fucking money. And then they start writing the things that they need, which is like a social media manager, a photographer, uh, leadership, and all this other stuff. And that's when all their kids get involved. Cause this is a, the family is involved in this. The thing about this though, that, like that's heartwarming, right? Like all I want to do is work so that my kids have it easier for me. And if I had like a really successful business, I would definitely want to show my kids the rope, ropes of the business. I would definitely want to see if there was a way I can incorporate them. And, and the kids are like, they wanted it to share with us cause they didn't want it for themselves. Their exit strategy, this is one of their sons, their exit strategy was death because they didn't want it. <laughs> like, okay, calm down. This is, but like, honestly, I, I understand that. I would love to like have something to give my kids. I get that. The thing is, they were not qualified <laughs> for mo almost all of what they were doing. They were not qualified. Um, Deanne and Mark had never run a clothing company. Uh, a lot of the kids had never done anything in the jobs that they had been put in, where they paid lots of money to do nothing, put in charge of people who knew better to do nothing. And at, like at this point of growth in a company that is being run competently, they would be bringing in people from uh, fashion industries uh, that have been successful, that like they would have They'd get a CEO who knew what the fuck they were doing. They'd get a COO who knew what the fuck they were doing. And they would make sure that even though they had the idea and they were the spark, that they had people around them that go, that go, hey, well, you don't do that because when you do that, you get in a debt for this. And so what the industry standard is, is you do this and this and this, and this is why. Like you have someone who's there. Like, you know, let's talk about Candy and Todd in their restaurants. Um, I hear they're doing well. They're being sold out and all, I mean, they always come out with some like candy and Todd failed a, um, a health, a health test or a health department test or whatever. But for the most part, it seems that they're doing well, but candy and Todd obviously hired someone who knows how to run restaurants. They have the idea they have the spark. They know they have the vision, but there's someone there that goes, okay, this is how you order food, right? You cannot order all this food on this day because by this, 
This is how you rotate food. This is what a good line cook looks like. I'm gonna hire you five good line cooks and I'm gonna run that because no, your nephew can't work. And I'm sure Candy and Todd do that all the time because Candy and Todd, although they're great business people, they often let family members run the fuck over them. But, or maybe your nephew can work here, but he's gotta start at the bottom. Cause I have three good line cooks here and they're gonna teach him how to be a line cook. I'm not gonna put your nephew who's never been a line cook in his life in charge of the line cooks. That's ridiculous. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is the way a competent business is run, and that's not the way they did it. I mean, they, as they said, they were they were flying a plane and learning how to build it. They were building a plane as they were flying it, but they didn't know how to they didn't know how to fly a plane or build a plane. They never been pilots. They never been inside a plane. So whatever they were building was bullshit. <laughs> but you understand what I'm getting at here. Um. We, we see Sammy, who is Deanne's nephew. And Sammy is an interesting character. He is obviously a theater kid, okay? Someone likes a lot of attention. Someone does a lot of TikTok videos. Definitely got on YouTube right away. Had a YouTube channel. Likes to sing. Very flamboyant. He's not gay. He's married to a woman. Um, so as far as we know, he's not. He might be bi, but he's not gay. But he's a type of... He's a type of theater kid that if you met at first, you'd be like, oh, he's definitely gay. No, and he's not. And I already don't like Sammy as soon as he got on the fucking screen because I was like, oh my God, this guy would be exhausting to be around. But he became the events person who put on all the, because LuLaRoe had conventions, yearly conventions, where they would invite all the retailers and kind of put a lot of hype around the product and the selling and everything like that. So Sammy was in charge of events. And the way he explains it is that the first year he had a budget and the next year he didn't have any budget. By the 2016, um, the year they really blew up, by the 2016 uh, conference, he had no budget. They, that's the year they had Katy Perry. They were, he's, he estimates he spent maybe $30 million on that. They were really raking in the fucking money. I believe the 2015, or he might be talking about 2016 as well, is the year they got Mario Lopez to come. And all the retailers, I mean, most of the retailers are women, right? And as he was explaining, he's an elder millennial. Same. And he really felt like like most of the people they were, they were, their audience were elder millennials. And yeah, they play the new song and they, they, you know, everyone like it. But if they play in sync, they lose their fucking minds. And having somebody like Mario Lopez there, that all he did was at the end of the red carpet, took pictures with every person that wanted to take pictures. And of course they posted them and were hashtagging that they were at the LuLaRoe convention and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. And it got the more buzz and stuff. Social media is... That's the one thing I forgot to say. When, the way LuLaRoe grew is obviously on the backs of women, moms who wanted to be at home, who needed who needed income, but also wanted like flexible and women. Uh, depre- global depression. <laughs> Everybody needs money. Their athleisure wear, the rise of athleisure wear, and also social media. Social media played such an important part. That's how they reached... Uh, new converts that's how they sold they were doing facebook lives every night they were like 
the number of Facebook lives in this fucking documentary. And I was like, I've never been live, Facebook live, Instagram live, anything live ever. I've never thought that whatever I was doing was that, was that fun or important or people need to know. But I mean, I guess if you're selling, if you need to sell these fucking leggings, I guess you go live. Um, but yeah, so he is a big part of the success. Okay. But Sammy leaves, I believe 2017, he gets, he, he says he leaves, they say he got fired and he got a sort of cease and desist. I mean, again, he's DN's, DN's nephew, got to serve a cease and desist from the company that said, can't talk to his aunt, can't talk about LuLaRoe, can't be involved in LuLaRoe, can't sell LuLaRoe, don't, can't do any of that shit. And he doesn't really tell us why he supposedly quit. He doesn't really say that. Maybe I missed it. Again, it was an easy watch, but I, I wasn't eagle-eyed on it. Maybe he said it, I missed it, but I did rewind, and I don't think he said it. Um, but they, but the rumors they put out was that he was sleeping with a lot of consultants. He was having sex with a lot of people. And, you know, he was on, he was on, like, private jets. all Like, when he was doing, when he was a part of LuLaRoe, he was on private jets all the time. He was doing all this stuff. You know, he was hiring this person and that person. It was a big fucking deal. He was Lula famous. Meaning that, like, I mean, he'd be at the conventions dancing his ass off. Like, listen, Sam, Sam, Sammy does coke, guys. I, there's no way he doesn't do coke. The shit he was dressed in, the way he was dancing all hard and shit, he does fucking coke. I just, I, and I know you guys are like, Princess thinks everybody does coke. And you're right. Anytime, like, my four-year-old is acting a little weird, I'm like, motherfucker's on coke. I know he is. I know. I think everybody does coke except for me. That's what I think. I think it's everywhere. I think the kids are at school doing coke right fucking now. So, <laughs> but this guy is definitely doing coke. He definitely, he just, he's too amped. He's too sleazy. He's doing fucking coke, guys. And maybe other shit, but definitely coke. Um, so do I believe him? Maybe. Do I believe that he was sleeping with all this? Probably. I, maybe. It's possible. Um, one little tidbit about Sammy towards the end is that <laughs> uh, after Courtney gets out of LuLaRoe, everyone's told not to speak to her. So Sammy reaches out to her. She was very, she got high up. Within a year, she started in 2015, and within a year, she was um, she was a mentor, which is the highest status you can get. It means you have a bunch of people underneath you. And so she hung out with the founder. She hung out with the family. She did that sort of stuff. So he texts her and he's like, I got an opportunity, and... I just need $30,000 by Tuesday. <laughs> and she's like, is there an agreement? She's showing the text. She's like, is there an agreement? He's like, nah, haha, nah, no agree agreement, but you're definitely going to get 90 within 90,000 90, within 90 days. And we just need it by Tuesday. And then he's like sell, sending her uh, pictures of money that she reversed Google searched. Guys, Catfish taught everybody about Google fucking search, uh, image search. <laughs> Catfish taught everyone about that. So she did that, though, smart of her. And she found it was an image of money on Google. It was an image of money on fucking Google. And, like, you know, according to him, he got taken because he thought he was buying, he was buying into a marijuana farm. And, but I was like, I don't know. This thing's sketch. So when they gave us that, I was like, okay, well, Sammy seems sketch to begin with. I mean, I think he got prosecuted for it. I was like, he seems sketch to begin with. So <laughs> I just want to talk about Sammy for a second. Not that he needed like a ton, but I just want, not that he had like a ton to do with it. I just thought he was an interesting character. He's the niece, uh, he's a nephew and he's doing, and like 
he's definitely family. And then he gets a cease and desist saying, do not contact your aunt again. <laughs> um, it's in the second uh, episode that we meet Lachey. Okay, guys. I, my favorite black name is Lachey. And my favorite black first and second name is Peaches Lachey. I love you know I love an around the way girl. I love an around the way girl. I love somebody who like pops her gum and has a different wig on every day. And like, if you guys ever watched the Steve Harvey show, it's a very long time ago and I don't support Steve Harvey and his mustache who I believe is making all the decisions in his life. But I used to watch that show when I was a kid. And Levita Alize Jenkins is my version of an around the way girl. She got 16 cousins, three of them are named Pookie. She got an attitude, but she also got a heart of gold. She's wearing big hoops. I love and around the fucking way, girl. They're so cute. They're ever. I love an around the way girl, guys. And Lachey is an around the way girl. And of the people who are in the documentary, I think Lachey has the most um, interesting story. Lachey started off at home office. She was working at Macy's. She always loved fashion and stuff. And uh, she was headhunting. Someone called her and asked her if she want to work for Lularoe. Um, by this point, I think Lularoe's headquarters was in California. And so she would, um, she would, she started working for LuLaRoe. And the first day she got there, she, she's wearing her Chanel suit. She got a new job. She's walking on the thing. And someone goes, walking down the hallway and someone goes, that's not LuLaRoe. And she goes, no, it's Chanel. And they take her to the warehouse and make her put on some LuLaRoe clothes. Because here's another thing, to work for LuLaRoe, you had to wear LuLaRoe clothing. I guess the men were, were not required, but all the women were. Um, and Lachey talks about that she was on the onboarding team. And what that means is that she was in charge of onboarding is when you became a little role consultant. So that's, she's getting that 5,000, 8, 10,000, whatever up front. And she was in charge of making the calls because you go online, you fill out an application. And at one point there was a queue. All right, so they so like they can't call. There's so many people applying. There's not they can't call everybody that day. So they were in charge of like calling, getting 500 new signups today, getting you know. Um, so you call them, you go through what you're gonna do, and then you get the payment. She says her department and Lularoe brought in millions of dollars a day, but just her little group. So they might have had other groups doing the same thing of people signing up. Again, back to the pyramid scheme part of it. The pyramid schemes live by new signups, okay? If, as soon as you don't have new people to replace the old people, to, to, to send money up to the, to the old people, you die, you need the new blood. And that's why some pyramid schemes seem successful because if you get in at the ground floor, you're making a ton of fucking money. But remember, pyramid schemes um, grow exponentially. So by the time you're at the 13th, like they had one expert who's on an expert on MLMs and pyramid schemes. By the time you get to the 13th layer, this includes everyone on earth. And it's just not possible to do that. So like if you're on layer one or two or three, you might be making really good money. And everybody underneath that is not because you can't, you're not bringing enough fresh blood to, to, to supply them. So, like, they just talked about, like, how important onboard, onboarding, onboarding was. Now, Lachey 
then eventually went off to sell. And she said, yeah, I'm Facebook famous. I have a lot of Facebook friends. I would sell in my group, my LuLaRoe group and everything. And my favorite thing she said in the whole fucking thing was that um, they would go on trips. These are part of the events Sammy will put together. They would go on trips to like um, cruises and things like that. And she's like, but you only go on the trip if you like do something from them, if you make some money, if you make them happy or whatever. And she says, I didn't go, I got invited to the cruise. I did not go on the cruise. She said, you know, I love white people, but um, on, being on the cruise in the middle of the water with a bunch of white people, that's not for me. And I agree, Lachey. I too would be like, I don't feel comfortable. The fact is the group, the company is largely white, largely blonde women, um, very few people of color in it. Every person of color we saw was like, yeah, I was like, there's only a handful of us in, in, in the company. And, you know, one journalist that they had talking about how, um, basically, LuLaRoe sold a very class conscious dream that you, your husband will be working, but you can stay at home with your children and raise them the correct way but also make money on the side, also empower yourself, also do things for your family. And this is a very white, upper-class dream. Like, a, a lot of these people that they were interviewing were in very nice homes. Um, only one, and she wasn't white, was talking about how she was on um, government assistance before. I mean, maybe she was on, um, uh, what is it? Gosh, I just forgot. The thing where they pay, they you pay a rent to a certain amount and they pay the rest directly to the landlord. Maybe she was on food stamps. I don't know. But she was on government assistance before she started. She bought, there There were four people and a dog living in an 800 square foot like rented house. And now she has a 2,100 square foot house in a very, very nice neighborhood with the in-ground pool in the back. And that Lularo did that for her. Um, yeah, like it, it's, what Lachey was saying was that like, yeah, like, uh, it was just very, very white. And sometimes she didn't feel comfortable. And I too would not go on a cruise with a bunch of white people. First of all, uh, like I've told you guys before, I was raised not to be the only person of color places because you never know when someone will turn into a clan meeting. You don't know what these white people have been talking to each other about before you got there. So you need to stay. If you want to, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So maybe you come back another time with some other black people there with you. <laughs> and also, I don't want to be on a boat with nobody where I can't leave them. That's that's a big reason. Even if I trusted every person on that boat, I'd be like, well, what if I want to leave? And you can't. But one of the things they they talked about in the in the doc was that even if you sold enough to get on the boat or get to the to the convention or whatever, you still have to pay to get there. You have to pay for your accommodations there. The whole time you if you were a big like person in the company, the whole time you were there, you were working, you had to do booths where you taught people how to do what you're doing you had to do speeches you had to like it was like a work thing in which you had to pay to go um and they made you feel like you were just you were just like so fucking lucky to even be fucking invited i mean as a rule in the second they basically talk a lot about how Blue Rose is just being run raggedy. They didn't have the correct software. None of the kids that they had hired to be in charge of things knew what the fuck they were doing. The whole fucking thing was run on Google Docs, which, listen, Google Docs can be a fine tool. Um, I've run businesses off of Google Docs, but 
not no $70 million business. Because by 2015, their revenue is $70 million for the year. It's huge. It's, their, their business is two years old, guys. Um, you know, people like at the, at the, at the main headquarters, you know, Mark and Deanne will always be like, we were always there to help and we all we did was work and all my kids, they didn't go. That's a lie. Everyone was say that's a lie. Um, yeah. So they had their explosion by 2015. They're doing $70 million by, hold on. I want to make sure I get this number right because I, Okay, the number by 2015 there are 70 million dollars in revenue. By 2016, they have 60,000 consultants and they're doing 1.3 billion fucking dollars in revenue. A year of growth from 70 million to 1.3 billion. <laughs> Something ain't cleaning the milk, guys. Something ain't cleaning the milk. <sighs> I mean, they, they do um some more interviews with like there's this couple that was on I call them the couponing couple because they were on Extreme Couponers. They're also, I believe, Mormon. They're they have seven kids and I mean this was one of those things where they made a lot of money. They their husband her husband, excuse me. It was the wife's business. The husband was a part of it too. They were a couple that were known in there. And he did a lot of selling on the lives because the first time she got her little box, she was, and she she started getting the little robe because she wanted matching leggings for her and her daughters. And that's how she came involved in it. And she, she, you know, she bought in. And the first time she got a box, she asked her husband to go live and talk like about the, what was in the box. And that was like such a big fucking hit. Like she hadn't even opened the boxes and he sold everything on that live before she'd even gotten home. And you know, they made a lot of money. What she says the first month she made, they, they got a check for 49,500 and the second month it was 127,000. I can't even imagine $127,000 a month. I mean, I do, Think about the taxes on that shit, but still, uh, just a check for $127,000. Like, again, this is why I don't want to be like, oh, people are such idiots. This is what they were looking at. And people were very care. Like, they had to flash their wealth. They had to be like, show screenshots of their checks. They had to, uh, Courtney talks about how her husband was still working because those bonus checks would be gone. They, she's gotten nice bags and she's on, Instagram live um there she showed they showed us a live where she was like yeah I bought myself a Louis Vuitton bag I deserve it <laughs> I earned it um you were supposed to like be flashy about like where you're going and about how LuLaRoe helped you get there one of them was saying that she took a, a picture in front of the, a house and she did not hashtag it with uh what's, what LuLaRoe LuLaRoe helped me or whatever, whatever the hashtag was. And she got, she got talk, a talking to about that. Um, Courtney talks about how one time she bought two cars. She had a, a big check and bought two fucking cars that day. Two fucking, uh, what were they? Tahoes, two brand new cars. And so like, 
even as we hear about these big numbers and like, obviously I would be, you know, guys, I'm cheap. Okay. That's, that's just what it is. Maybe that's rude of me to be said. That's a rude thing to say about people, but I'm saying about myself, I'm cheap. So like, obviously if I were getting like these big sums of money, I'd be like, Oh, I want to put this in, um, savings and I want to do this and I want to do that. But remember they were being encouraged. They were like, no, you have to like show off with it because this is how you attract other people. You know, this is how you get more people in your team. And they wouldn't even be saying it like, they wouldn't even be saying it like, um, your team, they wouldn't even be saying like, you know, the team, the people underneath you that bring you in money. Cause as soon as they sign up, you get like a $300 bonus and then you get money off of everything that they made every month. They'd be saying like, you're helping change people's lives. You're giving single moms, stay at home moms, a way to make money. You're giving, um, you're changing families, families first. Look, our whole dumbass family works here. <laughs> you can do the same thing for your family. Like, that's how they will put it. They were like, you're helping other people make money. And the more people you help, the more money you'll make. Which, I mean, if you're in a certain mindset, I can see how you could fall for something like that. You know? So, they would do a lot of recruitment. They would have uplines. So your uplines are the people above you and the downlines are the people below you. So... For every person you recruit, everything you sell, your uplines get a piece of that. Every person you recruit, you get a bonus and your upline gets a bonus. And like, like for example, to be a mentor, you have to have, uh, what was the level underneath mentor? Fuck, let me figure that out. Trainer. So to be a mentor, you had to have, you had to have like five trainers on under you. And to be a trainer, you had to have five or whatever the next level is underneath you. So as people in your downline grow bigger, you get to be in the bigger status. So like uh, one of the girls was saying, one of the women, excuse me, I'm trying to be better about that. One of the women was saying, um, yeah, she would get a text at nine o'clock at night from her upline being like, listen, this woman wants to sign up right now. We need your sign up link right now, right now. She's ready to go right now. And so she was saying she maybe had 500 people underneath her or her entire downline, but she didn't know most of them because they were being fed to her so that the people in her upline could get more and more people underneath them. Oh, because of LuLaRoe is the hashtag I just saw it in my notes. That's it. That's the, that's the thing that she got in trouble for, for not posting about, you know. And that cruise, $12,000 a month. You had to sell $12,000 a month of product to get there. Um, $12,000 is a lot of money. I wonder how much they, so they told us what the dresses cost, but they didn't tell us how much the leggings cost. Huh? Well, the leggings cost like 40 bucks, 30 bucks. If anybody knows, tell me. Um, let's see. So like I said, huge growth, $70 million in wholesale products. Um, in 2015, it's 1.3 billion by 2016. Now keep in mind this. And you're like, well, they're selling products, princess. Yeah, but to sign up, you have to buy between five and $10,000 worth of products to sign up. So every time they onboard someone, that's wholesale product, right? So maybe it seems like they're selling products so they're not a pyramid scheme, but you're forcing people to buy product to be a part of the company and that, whether or not they need it or not, that is part of the the pyramid schemey part of it. Um, all right, so I told you about the, the difference between 2016's conference and 2017's conference with Katy Perry in it. Um, things start to go sour in 2017, guys. Uh, remember, they've had, they started this company in 2013, 
And they've had four years of ridiculous growth. Okay? We're going to conferences. Mark is comparing himself to Joseph Smith and reading out the Book of Mormon. Now, this is, remember, this really appeals to conservative religious women, but not all of them are Mormons, so that really puts some people off. Um, everyone had to dress alike. You all, you, if you're going to a LuLaRoe convention, a LuLaRoe event, you have to be wearing LuLaRoe. And don't be on Instagram and not wearing your LuLaRoe. Don't be on Instagram because you're not taking care of the company. You're not, you're not really in this if you're not going to wear LuLaRoe all day, every day. Again, if I were to wear leggings and I was a teacher, I'd love some school bus leggings to wear. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can see that. They're comfortable. Why not? <laughs> I can see my wearing that like dress that's like really breezy and fits everything and a maxi dress that um, in like a, a funky pattern to, to, I don't know, to do Girl Scouts. Another MLM. <laughs> we'll get to Girl Scouts another time. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, yeah, I can see myself doing that. Do I want to wear it all day, every day? No, girl, no. <laughs> no. You know, and, you know, the company just had a lot of control. What you posted, what you said, you could, don't say anything negative. There's a, um, <laughs> there's a, there's a video in the documentary of, um, one of the, you know, the the speakers at the conference talking about drama and who causes drama and how victims will tell their story over and over again. This is in response to all the bad things that were happening in 2017 that really started to happen in 2017. And she was like, the delete button is your biggest, is your best friend. And they did. They, if you wrote something bad about LuLaRoe, they delete, 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 delete. That's what they do. Um... Another thing that they kind of uncovered is that although LuLaRoe does like pop feminism, you know, girl boss, we're, we're in charge, women on top, <laughs> as a part of like they're luring people in, um, women's empowerment is a very specific type of empowerment. Underneath that is basically that um, what they want you to do, they want you to get big enough and then they want your husband to quit his job and then he become a part of it. Retiring your husband is like a big deal in LuLaRoe. Um, basically saying that you're making so much money that your husband doesn't need to work anymore and that he's going to be a part of this business. And um, I believe it was Courtney. No, it might not have been Courtney. But I think it was Courtney that, you know, once you get to a certain position, they invite you to California for a meeting and their husband comes with you and you guys talk about, and you know, they're like, how's your marriage? <laughs> It would be better if you guys were all working at the same spot. And like her husband was like, I am not quitting my job. <laughs> and I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. Like this money's fine. Thanks for buying two fucking brand new cars on the same day. Cute. I'm not quitting my job. <laughs> but, um, and basically they told them that, you know, it was the mentor. So when you got to the highest level, you know, uh, Deanne would tell people to divorce people if their husband wouldn't quit enjoying you know, and a lot of people would say that a lot of people in the documentary and I'm not and I don't think it's un, I don't think it's crazy to think this, to be honest. I mean, I'm not saying I, I understand that they don't necessarily have proof, but I don't I don't think it's terrible to think this is that one of the reasons they wanted you to have your husband quit and then your whole family be dependent on the business is because then you kind of have to do what they fucking tell you to do, right? Do you want your business? 
oh, do you want to feed your kids this month? Because we can stop checks tomorrow, bitch. Like, I can see where they got that from. Otherwise, why the pressure to have your husband? Now, someone, there there was, like, they did talk about the fact that Deanne's mother wrote this, like, <laughs> this really wild book about how to keep a man and, like, one of... <laughs> keep a husband and it was co-author with her husband and one of the things is like you go to like in the mirror and you practice shaking your pearls and being like i'm just a dumb little girl and i need your help <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> if i did it to my husband he'd be like what the fuck is going on over here what <laughs> you on drugs are you on coke princess you always say everyone's on coke are you on coke this is how you act when you're on coke <laughs> that's how i do <laughs> I don't, guys, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't know how people act on code. <laughs> but he would be very, like, wary of me. Like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> but, like, yeah, like, um, they even have a part where Deanne's being interviewed. And she's just like, well, you know, in the 60s, you have your apron. And you take care of your husband. And he take care of you. And um, in the 70s, I don't know what happened. I wish I could remember what happened. <laughs> Something like the way she goes, I don't know what happened. <laughs> like I don't even, I don't know if I was in the bathroom or something, but something happened. <laughs> and then these women were all willy nilly. They were doing all kinds of things they weren't supposed to be doing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, part of it was the idea that like, yeah, you would start the business, you grow to a certain point, and then the man would take over, and then your whole family would be dependent on Lularo. Uh The couple, the couponing couple, said that like when they'd be at conventions and stuff, it was technically the wife's business. It was her thing. He and she said to him, no offense, you did do a lot of selling online, but like I did all the work behind the scenes and he agreed with her and like Deanne wouldn't talk to her. She would only talk to the, the husband. She would only like like and it seems like the pipeline was I'm going to get you involved. Once you start really good in selling, I'm going to get your husband involved. Your family's going to depend it, and then I'm only going to talk to your husband. So like there, there's like some grossness to to this to like already you know people that co-op feminism for their own like agenda is annoying but this was even like darker it seemed like they had like a big plan underneath in fact you know the docu the the people interviewing the doc for the documentary were asking deanne like about feminism and her mark just stops and goes can i interrupt you can i say something first i want to say something first and then you can say something because i'm gonna say something and I was like, oh, gross. Super gross. <sighs> Just to throw some more numbers at you, by 2016, 0.01% of LuLaRoe retailers, the people, consultant retailers, made over $150,000 a month. And 70% of them made nothing. This is the structure of a pyramid scheme, guys. This is this is the structure of it. The fact that you had to recruit people to make bonuses, the bonus checks, as opposed to the to the checks for selling retail, were astronomically different. Okay, so fucking different. This is how you know it's a fucking pyramid scheme. Also, you know. Uh, 
Little World culture was very cult-like in that they isolated you from people who weren't in the culture. As, as people left, you weren't allowed to talk to them. You weren't allowed to say anything negative. You were supposed to delete comments and you, you weren't supposed to, you, you'd be a troublemaker if they heard you saying something negative about any of it. Um, there's a lot of leadership calls that you have to go to a week where you're on Zoom or a phone call where you just have to listen to people drone on about like uh, hammering the ideology of it. Um, it. It was, I'm not willing to call it a cult. I'm willing to call it a scam, but not a cult. But yeah, it had a lot of cult-like, you know, attributes to it. You know, they were like, you always have to have your hair down. You have to look nice. Losing weight was a big thing. Showing off luxury purchases, like I said. Oh my God, Courtney starts talking about, she went to lunch, she went to dinner with Deanne and her son. And her son, she turned her son and said, Deanne turned to her son and said, um, what do you want to split? And then she goes back, turns back to Courtney and says, we, we eat small because our stomachs are small because we've had the gastric sleeve. And... Courtney was a little uncomfortable and but Deanna talked to her about it and was just basically like bitch you fat and you need to if you want to sell if you want people to like want to be like you you need to lose weight if you want to represent this company you want to look your best and so she said a couple of days later she was added to this group chat called the Tijuana Skinnies because Deanna had gone down to Tijuana to get a gastric sleeve and she was working she was even in a promotional video for some clinic or doctor or whatever down there and it's Leanne's sister Deanne's sister, I forget what her name is. Um, she's put Courtney into a group called the uh, group chat called the Tijuana Skinnies. One, don't put me in a group chat, okay? Two, don't put me in a group chat called the Tijuana Skinnies, okay? Blocked, blah ha hot. So, but basically, it's just encouraging them all to get the gastric sleeve, and that the sister will be driving people over the border to Tijuana to get the operation. Groups of people weekly. Now, listen, we know people hate fat people. We know that. We know people hate fat people. They don't want nobody to be, you being fat means you sloppy and you ugly and you, and you, and your health. And, like we know what fat phobia is, right? So I'm not surprised that Lee, that Deanne got herself a gastric sleeve to look better by the way and those pictures after and videos after the gastric sleeve she is quite skinny and by the time we see her again on the documentary she's getting some of the way back and i'm not saying that as a ha ha fucking told you so bitch but more of a like remember that most people gain back weight on gastric sleeve because it's not like it's hard to change the way you view and take in food just because you got a surgery, it's difficult. That's as far as I'm gonna go with that. Um, but like, it's not surprising to me that she got a gastric sleeve. She's on the stages all the time. She's seen pictures of herself all the time, and then encouraged other top earners to do so, being like, "You want to look good, don't you? You want to lose weight, don't you? Come on now." And <laughs> but you gonna tell me? Because they told this is what they told the, the producers actually in the documentary. You gonna tell me your sister driving people down to Tijuana, uh, groups of people down to Tijuana to get a gastric sleeve, and you ain't you don't get a kickback from that? You don't, this doctor or clinic or whatever you're working with, you're bringing several people down each week to get a gastric by, bypass surgery, and you don't benefit from that at all. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. This is what I meant by like, Deanne and Mark doing this documentary. You, 
you're obviously lying, right? <laughs> you look terrible. I can't, and again, like I said, they're interspersing the, um, the uh, depositions with it. They look terrible in it. I cannot believe they participated in this. I cannot believe, I cannot believe that they were, they were busting people down to Tijuana to get gastric bypass. Oh my fucking God. Gastric sleeve. You know, uh, Courtney ends up not going to Tijuana because she's nervous about it, which I understand as well. Um, not that I think Tijuana has less uh, medical shit than the U.S. does. I know lots of people go to other countries to get cosmetic surgery. The thing that would bother me is that, like, I'm supposed to just go to this place without any research or anything because y'all want me to go. I wasn't even thinking about getting, like, weight loss surgery. And now I'm just supposed to do it. And Courtney ends up getting, like, the balloon surgery, I guess, where they, I don't know, they do something with your stomach and they put a balloon in there. And she got right before Christmas. And the day after Christmas, she passed out at home, had to go back to the hospital. And they ended up taking the balloon out. It didn't work. And when she text was texting, you know, Deanne and her sister about it, and she, they were like, yeah, I fucking told you so. When do you, when do you want to go down to Tijuana? <laughs> and when she said, I don't want to, they stopped talking to her. Things really got to changing in their relationship. You know, the big thing that lured women into this thing was the idea of being able to spend time with my family, making money, working part-time, and and being able to spend time with my family and also contribute to my family. But what would happen is that, like, you, you got to make all these Facebook Live parties. You got to call all these people all the time. You you over here trying to recruit people. You got to go to the convention. You got to do it. Like, people get really, and they'd say, I, I don't have time for my kids. And, you know, Deanne would be on the live. They show this being like, you need to hire an assistant. You need to hire a nanny and let them do the things that you don't make money doing. You need to be thinking about how to make money. And I'm like, I mean, listen, plenty of people live their lives that way. I'm not, I don't have no judgment on that at all. Like, you know, Courtney said that her husband was like, I can't believe you're hiring people to cook dinner for us. Like, just, I get it. I, uh, I too would be like, well, I got into this so that I could have more time for my family. Now I have no time for my family to do those things. The make a mess, I keep saying this because it was one of the big things they would have you post, like you making a big messy breakfast for your kids on a Tuesday. Um, you know, whenever, and other people are looking at your post going, fuck, I'm at fucking work. My kids at the after school fucking program. And I wish I was like there with them. Um, and just kind of show people the lifestyle that you're having. But that's actually not what they were doing. They were working them to the fucking bone. And then what's happening, because remember, they're onboarding. Since 2015 or so, they're onboarding, onboarding, onboarding. Everybody's selling, okay? Because that first infusion of cash might be the last amount of cash they get from you, right? For most of the people who don't have anybody under them who aren't really selling, that $5,000, $10,000 they gave you, that might be the last time they see you. They don't care if you sell it or not. They they need that onboarding cash. So they're onboarding like crazy. So now everybody you know is selling LuLaRoe. Going back to the McDonald's thing. When they sell you a franchise, if you are in a good franchise program, they will promise not to sell another franchise or allow another franchise to be within a certain amount of your area. There won't be 
I'm not saying there won't be ever, but I'm saying that that there is some kind of thought process on where they sell franchise, where they allow you to be, because overall, the whole company wants to, they want to get their franchise fees from you. So they are very invested in the fact that you make some fucking money, okay? And so two McDonald's across the street from each other doesn't really do it. I'm, again, I'm not saying it never happens, but they have planning to avoid stuff like that. With LuLaRoe, anybody that applied got to do it and have to, anybody that applied and had the money got to do it. And they would, you know, one, one woman was talking about the fact that, you know, originally she was the only one selling in her area and by like a year later, there were like seven people selling in her area. So now everybody's selling LuLaRoe. Who the fuck is buying it? Right? Exactly. So you can't even, so, so now you can't even make any money selling the product because they've oversaturated the market. And the only way you can make money bonuses is by hiring more, signing more people up. That's the only fucking way. And that's when the product started fucking up. This is 2017 when the products really started fucking up. You would get, you would get products with holes in it. Again, remember, you can't, you can't decide what you're going to, you can order sizes and, and types of clothing, but you cannot decide the patterns. So you get shit that came with holes in it. You get stuff that was stinky. It was molded. You get stuff that was full of water. You get stuff that they claim they sold out two years ago. So, and people were complaining. Now, Lachey says that she knew, she's, there was, she was like, did you know when they were sending out the stinky, the stinky leggings? <laughs> she's like, yeah, when I saw them all on the outside stacked up, there are pictures of they got, they got bunches of incoming leggings and they would just be sitting outside waiting for, they didn't have the space to ship it. They have a space to, to take care of it. By the way, retail stuff is always dirty. Like if you're going to use, if you buy cups, wash them first. You buy bedding, you wash clothes, wash them first. Retail is disgusting, guys. But even more so, these are clo uh, clothing products that you have outside. Like they said, you would open a shirt and there'd be a light, there'd be like a light uh, square where it would have been folded and sitting in the sun forever. And there were tons of holes, tons of stuff. And, you know, basically... Anytime you had a problem, like so you, you couldn't have too many problems because then they would say you were the problem. But anytime that you have the problem, they would start gaslighting. They'd be like, you're the problem. This didn't really happen. It's not a big deal. And in fact, Mark and Deanne, on, when they're in their interview, are saying like, we only had a few problems, but the problem was social media. So then everybody said there were problems. And I'm like, that is ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it, and the prints would be misplaced. Because like I said, designers have to make 100 designs a day. 100 designs a day. 100. <laughs> it's a lot of fucking designs. They would be stealing off the internet, getting shit off of Google Images, and they and be told to, to change it by 20% because that's a copyright law. LuLaRoe has been sued for copyright infringement over and over and over again. They, like, they showed us prints with hamburgers and vaginas. And the hamburger, like, they're one where a penis... <laughs> They had a, a building like you had a fucking penis coming out your crotch. Just ill-designed stuff because you had to do 100 in a day. Um, The girl who's a designer said it was like, 
making she she's like I was getting paid to make art but it was like art with a gun to my head and here's the deal all those fucked up prints all those moldy moldy and holy uh and they weren't they were thinner than they used to be remember when they first came out they were buttery soft and that's one of the reasons that people really liked them you know uh legging that you could wear and you could bend over people can see your underwear because remember when leggings were first like a big thing like people had really thin leggings um also there's competitors coming right so um what's that one that uh kate hudson is always doing for like they're doing mail that you can get directly from mail order um and you can choose which ones you have i mean other people are getting definitely in the business um and your product quality has gone down but here's the thing you can't choose what you get and whatever you get you got to sell them they would tell them sell that to somebody uh 50 off as a as a as a pajama shirt and she and they'd be like why, why do i have to take the hit on this when they talk to mark about this mark says like again he's so fucking sleazy guys so fucking sleazy such a rich white guy who thinks he figured out the code to fucking life and if you didn't figure out the code that's your fault he he said that he's gonna lobby congress to put a sign on every maternity ward in america that uh welcome to life your experience may vary and she and deanne laughs at that i'm like you bitch <laughs> why does the experience vary mark tell me <laughs> um also like he said stuff like we offer equal opportunity, but we can't guarantee equal results. And this is the part where he's talking about how some people made a million dollars off of that box of clothing and other people put it in the closet because they were scared. He's such an asshole. And like I said, anyone who complained, they were told they were the problem. In 2017, oh, this is when the nephew quit, right? So nephew quit. He's been fucking a lot of consultants. Oh, in 2017 is when the LuLaRoe defective group starts, Okay. Before, this is the Facebook group. Before this, no one, there was no way to talk online about Lulu Row negatively. You were mostly, um, like if you commented on like your upline or the person who sold it to you, like cause it's mostly done to Facebook groups and Facebook and Instagram and stuff like that, then it was deleted. Like that's how they handle it. They would delete messages. They would, because that's why they were told to handle it. And, but this Facebook group is suddenly a place where everyone can come together and talk about it. And it became very big, very quickly. I think I remember this group when I was back on Facebook. It just basically united all these people that were like going through it with LuLaRoe. And it became very clear that, because before they would be like, you're the problem. Um, UPS must've made that, must've filled that uh, one bag full of water. Like, well, no, nothing else is going on. Well, I don't know. UPS did it. You know, they, they would do that. And now here you are with all these people validating your experiences. And they're from everywhere. They're from all over the fucking place. And you're like, fuck, it isn't just me. I'm not crazy. I, they're telling me I am, but I'm not. And it isn't just me. It's a lot of people. So the other thing that happened in 2017 that really fucking <laughs> accelerated the downfall of Lulero is that after they had all these production problems, all these product problems, they changed their bonus structure. Now they have video of one of their, one of Deanne and Mark's sons talking about why they're changing their bonus structure. And the reason is, is because they're too close 
like it's obviously a pyramid scheme because what you would do is you would get bonuses based on people you signed up and then you would get money from selling the product. Now they didn't keep track of the products, right? They, all they knew is that what you were ordering and then you sold it for whatever. If you wanted to sell it for more than, than the price, then that's it. If you had to take a bath on it, that was it. And so they don't te- they don't keep track of profit. They only keep track of your bonus structure. And so what they realized is that they, this is what they explained. They, they did it, ba- they changed the bonus structure based on sales versus ordering. So when they say ordering, they mean you signed up these people and they ordered $10,000 worth of stuff. Since they ordered that, you get a bonus. Okay. And yeah, it cut, it cut the bonus checks in half. So a lot of people started like losing their fucking shirts. Okay. And like I said, one of their kids is on video saying, we did this cause we don't want to be like a pyramid scheme and blah, 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 blah. And you know, they, they, they're like, well, I forget the kid's name, but they're like, first of all, you gotta know what he's like. And they're like, he's excitable and he's funny. And then Deanne's like, and you love him. You love him. When you meet him, you're going to love him. <laughs> They're like, he said, you know, we don't always speak clearly. He said what he, you know, he misspoke. And um, he didn't do anything wrong. And we didn't do anything wrong. So, you know, there's no need to take that out of context. <laughs> I'm laughing at how ridiculous some of this stuff is. Then in 2017, about June 2017, based on all the backlash of like, hey, we, you are giving us bullshit. We can't sell it. What the fuck are we supposed to do? They start a buyback program. And the buyback program says that we will buy, like the first, the initial stuff that came out said there's no expiration date on this. We will buy back 100% of your product. If you want to send it back, fill out this form and we'll send it back. When previously, you just had to figure out a way to get rid of it. And you and if you had $10,000 worth of product, you lost $10,000. So this is what happened. They said two things happened in which a bunch of people joined up because they had been, been nervous about joining up because they had heard stories about people getting losing their homes over inventory. They can't sell inventory that's defective. So a bunch of people signed up. They were like, okay, well, if, if I can't sell it, they'll buy it back. And two, a bunch of people got out. The, the girl, the, the women were talking about how like 20 people a week were being like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Um, over a course of a couple of months, they paid a hundred million dollars out and buy back stuff. But that's if you got to it early. Because on September 13, 2017, and I know that day because one of the women, the one of the women that initially started the class action suit said that's the worst day of her. She'll never forget that fucking day. Lularo said, psych, <laughs> we was just playing. We ain't gonna be buying back nothing. I guess they said they spent a hundred million dollars and was like, oh fuck, we can't do this. And they said, we're gonna do buybacks, but we're not doing seasonal, no Christmas trees, none of that shit. We're not doing elegant. I don't know what elegant, is that like a, a class of, um, of where did they, did Lularo have an elegant line? Um, no leaders could return. So if you had people underneath you, you could not return unless 
you gave back bonuses. So that means you couldn't return. And like, it was wild. They, they interviewed a guy who was in customer service. I don't remember his name. Quite frankly, he was a little weird and it's fine. I mean, people are weird, but he, <laughs> he said that he like was in the bathroom, like the calls he would get. He was expected to do 150 emails a day and fix whatever the problem was. And the calls he would get was, he had a breakdown. And he'd been telling himself he'd been helping people the whole time. But the question was, was he really fucking helping people? So at this point, people are getting out of LuLaRoe. They call it Goobin, going out of business, G-O-O-B. And, you know, lots of people got out. Um, the first lawsuit was from was a class action lawsuit from a woman who they have on who they interviewed on on the dock she she wasn't making as much money she felt like she was being fucked around by the company she had was it she had a hundred thousand no she had like ten thousand dollars worth of inventory and she wanted to buy back and they confirmed that she could and then she had a five-month miscarriage I don't, like, miscarriages are super common, guys. I don't, people don't talk about them as much. Um, I understand why. I've had a miscarriage. I, like, I don't, I don't necessarily want to, like, be putting all my business out there. And this is when I was younger and I really was, like, more guarded about things. But people have miscarriage in early, in the, in the first trimesters all the fucking time. It's very, very common. Okay? And it, it just, it just doesn't go. Later, latter term miscarriages are harder. And five months is a, it's a long time, guys. I've, I've known someone who's had two miscarriages at five and six months, and she essentially had to give birth. They gave her, um, they gave her medicine and, uh, to help with the passing through of like tissue and stuff. And it, she was at home cramping and essentially giving birth. I mean, not exactly the same, but it, it was a process. It, it's, I'm saying all this to say it is incredibly tough. A five-month miscarriage is a tough thing to go through. And she had a lot of, um, she had a lot of um, postpartum after that. It was just a lot. And she felt like she was losing in the business. She felt like she lost her baby. She's very depressed. And so she says, like, you know, when it came, they confirmed that she could send it back. And when she came to send it back, they said, no, we're not doing that anymore. And she's like, a lot of people will say, why didn't you box it up that day and send it back? And she's like, I was going through so much stuff. And like, just, you have to box up everything, categorize it and do all this stuff. And she's like, every time I would open, I would just start to cry. And she is the catalyst for the class action lawsuit because she, um, she was in a professional women's group. There was a lawyer in the group and she... And she helped her file it. And a class action lawsuit is essentially, not only am I suing for the damages you've uh, caused me, I am suing for the damages you've caused a whole class of people, this whole group of people. It's the stuff uh, Tom Girardi was doing. So like, if you get enough people who need to, who have the same gripe against a company or a person, it's usually a company, I, I can't think of a class action lawsuit against a person. But um, an institution of some sort, you can sue on behalf of all of those people, even if you don't necessarily know all those people or have all those people's permission. You have to have a certain like 
there's some details to it that you have to fulfill some requirements. And then you can, once you do that, you can, um, the settlement or whatever you get from it is distributed amongst the class. And that, that's why like when Denny's had a class action lawsuit, you get emails saying, have you ever been at Denny's and they called you to the N word? You can get it like that. Um, and you don't have to prove that you're part of the class, but that that's what a class action lawsuit is. Um, yeah, so that started that. I think that was the first one and many, many followed. <laughs> um, the copyright infringement, of course, the defective leggings, uh, the first lawsuit that calls them an outright scam is in 2018. And it's the My Dyer uh, lawsuit. It's My Dyer is a clothing supplier that did business with LuLaRoe. And the CEO of My Dyer and Mark were great friends. They hung out all the time together. They were in this exclusive rare car club, some rare Swiss car. I don't know. Some rich people shit. You know what I'm saying? They were good friends. And the fact that My Dyer sued LuLaRoe, saying basically that she, they owed them money. What was, how much money was it? I think it was like $49 million. It was like $40 million, some. 40, $49 million, somewhere in there, sued them and said, hey, um, you didn't pay us. And not only did you not pay us, you knew you weren't going to be able to pay us. And then you kept making new orders knowing that you couldn't pay us. And that, my dear, is fraud. So that was a big deal. Now, also my dyer said that they were using LLCs to kind of hide money in like there are there there are dozens of LLCs associated with Lularoo uh, LLC and 17 of them were set up in December of 2017 so yeah that don't look good either Lularoo um by the 2018 convention that they have they have 20 lawsuits against them People want lawsuits because they didn't get their buyback, lawsuits because of copyright infringement, lawsuit because of shitty leggings, lawsuits because you ain't paid your vendors. And yet, they haven't even the biggest convention yet. And guess who's playing? Kelly Clarkson. Guys, they mention these people's name like Mario Lopez, Katy Perry, Kelly Clarkson, as if like they are like complicit in it. And they're not, okay? People get hired to do things like this all the time. I mean, the most they'll probably do is ask you what the convention's for. I mean, they don't want to go to a white nationalist convention. You know, they don't want to be seen singing for racist and, and white power enthusiasts. They don't, but they're not going to say, did you pay out your shareholders? It's a private company, so not shareholders. Did you pay out your vendors? Did you, they're not going to say that. They're going to say my price is $5 million or 10 million or whatever the fuck it is for me to come there. They said Mario Lopez was way under budget. And I was like, ooh, burn. <laughs> I'm sure he was. <laughs> he just took pictures. I'm sure he was. It's Mario Lopez. Um, but the guy in customer service says, I was so disgusted. They owe all these people money and here is, they got Kelly Clarkson. And I love Kelly Clarkson, but I boycotted her ever since. I was like, damn, man. Kelly got a lot of shit going on. She didn't know. She didn't know about the leggings. She didn't know. They probably gifted her some leggings. Some well-made ones. They probably... <laughs> I just said, I never listen to Kelly. I love Kelly Clarkson's song with like Bo somebody and I just can't listen to it anymore. Just can't. 
This is what I meant, but he's a weirdo. Um, but at the 2018 convention, after the, the, the remember 2017 is the year they've been going through it. 2018 convention after Kelly Clarkson performed, they take all the high profile people up into a meeting and they say to them, we need to know whether you're all in on this company or not. And you need to put a piece of paper and you need to write down an X or an L. And it basically threatens them. The coupon couple was there. They don't feel great. Like, first of all, they've already been suspended once because she was like asking about these fucked up leggings and stuff. So they were suspended. They made them come to California and beg for their business back. And they gave them back. And then they're terminated. Well, this is how they get terminated. They get an email. Like all the high profile people get an email saying a high profile like retailer was was terminated. And they're like, oh my God, who was it? They're calling people, they're downline, they're upline. They're like, who was it, girl? Who was it? Was it you? Was it you? Then they get an email four hours later saying it was them. <laughs> That's almost like getting fired on your day off, guys. Which I have been. So it's a little embarrassing. It's 2019 that Washington State decides to sue LuLaRoe. And essentially that they're saying they're a pyramid scheme. And that no one could make money on their program in a legit way. The only way to make money is to sign other people up. Um, it's a civil suit. All, like I said, all of the depositions are from that doc. They look like assholes in those depositions. I mean, or from that suit. They look like assholes in them. And like, I obviously understand why they look like assholes. And depositions, depositions are basically questioning. They're fact-finding stuff. There's questions that the other side will ask you um, during the preparation of a trial. And they're usually recorded. They usually, you know, I, I, uh, you've seen Bieber's uh, depositions. You've seen other people, like celebrities' depositions get out. And... Um, I'm assuming they're not all sealed. That's what it is. I'm, I'm assuming that's how they get out. I mean, they're they're a, a matter of record. And the opposition's attor attorney will simply ask you questions. That, And what they want to do is they want to get you on record for some things. They want you to ask you questions at the deposition and get you on record of saying this. So you can't change your story at the other side. At the other side, that's one of the reasons that you want that they do these depositions and they record them. And there's no judge there, and it's just the two attorneys. And you know, sometimes they argue about what they can what they can ask and what they can't. And then someone has to call the judge, and the judge has to make a ruling or whatever. Um, you know, if you watch The Good Wife, you've seen plenty of depositions. Uh, you know, my new favorite show is Evil. There's one episode where a person that got um, exercise is suing. <laughs> The Catholic Church, that that one's good. Um, yeah, like, so the uh, in these depositions, though, you're to say your lawyer is going to tell you that don't lie, do not lie, do not like get us in a corner here, do because once you lie here, you're fucked. And also, if, if I know if your lawyer knows that you have told a lie, they can't put you on the stand and let you lie, for risk of their own their own uh, licenses. So they want you to say, unless you know, no, no, and it's good for the case, they want you to say, I don't recall. They want you to say, I don't know. They want you to say, I'm not sure. So that it's more flexible later when you say, I do actually recall because I looked at this and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they've got 
Deanne and Mark and their sons. Deanne don't know if she's the co-CEO. She don't know the address to the place. They don't know about the hashtag because of LuLaRoe. They don't know what the bonus structure. As far as, like, this is supposed to be girl boss, girl power. As far as Deanne, no, Deanne don't know shit. Deanne don't know nobody. Deanne don't, Deanne don't know how it works. Deanne don't know who get paid what. Deanne don't even know what her job is at the fucking, at the fucking company. Mark has a little bit more to say, but he's also, I don't recall a lot. And their sons, their sons, I mean, they like assholes. And obviously in a deposition, you are in defensive mode. You're mad. You don't want to be there. Does that deposition is going for a long time? I had, I had a friend who did a, a civil suit against, um, for wrongful termination. Her depositions went on for weeks and it was just, she, obviously they, they had other witnesses, but it was mostly her. Where they just, there's lawyers in the room, they're asking question after question in different ways. And most people feel like, I shouldn't even fucking have to be here. This suit is bullshit. I get that, but they looked really bad in them. They looked so bad. Um, the thing is, as they tell us, successful prosecution or successful uh, suit of these things are rare. Prosecution is even more rare than a suit, civil suit. They just don't prosecute them. Like the, the U.S. laws against Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes and shit like that is just um, lots of loopholes, right? Lots of ways you can get out of it. And they and you, they just don't give, like, you know, murder, uh, rape, chops. They don't even do rapes. Like, they don't even prosecute rapes for, rapes for people that much. But, like, sexy crimes, like, this white woman was jogging and a man kidnapped her and kept her for three days and then killed her. That's a sexy cr crime, right? And not sexy as in I, I'm sexually aroused by, but you understand like you, you get a lot of, you get a lot of shit on, you get a lot of like media coverage of, you get a lot of newspapers, you get a lot of talk about the sort of things. Uh, the Casey Anthony case is like a sexy case, right? People have a lot of strong fucking opinions about uh, kids being murdered and a mother who would kill a child that people have a lot of, you're getting tons of fucking press and stuff like that people don't you usually don't get that much press about some company not following uh corporate entity law <laughs> and franchise laws correctly you then what is the hook to that that's, that's not to me but for lots of people that's a really boring conversation um and so the prosecution of these types of things um, are rare and success is even rarer, you know? Um, but they do settle this, this civil suit for $4.8 million in February of 2021. They started, this has been going on since 2019 and they have admitted no guilt. They have said that the reason that they settled it was a business decision that I could keep hiring lawyers and flying to fucking Seattle or whatever. That is not the capital of Washington state. I don't know what it is, but it ain't Seattle. Fuck, I'm gonna look this up. Olympia, I just did not want a bunch of comments and, and DMs and emails about Olympia. So, <laughs> Olympia, so you find the Olympia, uh, the legal costs, all that shit is expensive. And they just, they said they made a business decision to settle. Um, they have admitted no wrongdoing, they have made some adjustments to their structure to as a part of their settlement and that's it um and mark even brags about this mark says that a lot of time most of the things you see in the public are not true because if it were true he would have settled it 
he says, you know, he sends an apology that you had to get my attention through a suit and bam, here's your money. That's how he does it. Um, the epilogue of the, of the doc as it ends, it says that by mid 2021, LuLaRoe is still in business. Um, but they have very few consultants, not as many, nowhere near as many as they had in 2016 and 2017. And, um, that they have slashed startup costs by about 90% to, to entice more people to sign up. And again, this is how I know it's a pyramid scheme because if you, if you, if it wasn't a pyramid scheme, you'd be putting money and time and all your energy into selling the leggings, but you're not. Most of your shit goes into getting more people to sell the leggings. That's a pyramid scheme. Um, you know, Courtney tells us it ruined her life. She got a divorce from it. She, uh, when she got out, she just, she couldn't do it anymore. And, um, she had just seen the, the ugly side of the company, the ugly side of what was happening. You know, you have to like, when they did that bye-bye program, she had told confidently told all the people underneath her downline that yes this is what it's gonna be and it's not gonna you know they're gonna there's no expiration date it's gonna be fine blah 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 and guess what um it wasn't so here you are having to get these you know shit rolls downhill and you have and so the people on top are telling you as a as a as a high profile person to say to say this to the people, and that turns out to be a lie. You're t- people are losing their job, are losing their homes and shit. People are like marriages are breaking up, and they're coming to you because you're their upline. They're like, this is happening, and you're like, well, sell more leggings, and that's what they tell you to tell them. Like, I understand how she got out, and she says she's divorced. She had to sell her car, her house. She sold both of them new cars. Um, she says on the day, on the week, she doesn't have her children. She eats crackers and cheese for dinner to save money she is very humble she says she was judgy when she was in LuLaRoe of course she was she was making money and she's like flashing shit and doing this and that and she says now she's she's very humbled by what's happened she's in so much credit card debt she just put things on credit card she said one time she bought a ten thousand dollar meal just to show how good LuLaRoe was going I was like girl that gave me a pain. We should have started the documentary with that because what the fuck did y'all order? <laughs> I know you wasn't at Texas Roadhouse because I can feed five kids and me for $45. <laughs> so I fucking know you didn't do that. Um, it's not funny, but I'm just like, I, I, she, when she said it ruined her life, I thought she was going to be exaggerating, but it ruined her life. Um, the third retailer ever, the one that lives in Washington state, she got a divorce. She said it really pulled apart her family. Um, they, uh, she said, and she's the one like it's happening in her, the, that, that lawsuit was happening in her home state. She, they were asking her questions about it. She said she, it's a big thing. She doesn't want to talk about it. So I'm assuming she was involved in the, in the case and didn't want to say anything. Um, she says as her family was breaking up and as things were happening, she talked to Deanne and Deanne told her that she was sorry that she was getting out and that she should take her children to church for stability. <laughs> All right, Deanne. Um, she's the one that did not want to, that did not want to tell people how much money she was making. She said she, she said by the time she got out, she was still making six figures. 
She was still making six figures. But she said that she had done things that she didn't want to do. And she was clarifying that none of the things she'd done was illegal, but things she would not do again. And I'm assuming that she preyed on the people in her downline. She was aggressive with them. I'm assuming, like, all the things that people tell you the upline would do to you. I'm sure that happened. I'm sure that she also felt, like, personally responsible for all the people she brought in once things really started going south for people. Um, The coupon couple said that they had, their son was involved. They had their siblings, relatives, all kinds of people, people they actually fucking cared about were involved and it just was going and they felt like shit as things were going south. Um, which I can imagine that's how MLMs do. They make you, they you, to rely on your personal, on your personal network. And that means that you get your family members involved in this shit. Because you were told it was going to be this and that. And, and you're on Instagram Live and she showed you this check and and you bought this. And maybe you got in early so you did make a lot of money. Like being the third retailer ever, I bet that chick made a ton of fucking money. She said so. She refused to tell them how much money she had. She got. Um, but also you have to watch people that you convinced to get into this who are lower down not. And their whole lives are ruined. And you actually know these people because you preyed on your personal network. Yeah, dude. Like, um, she was crying through most of it. Even the one that's still selling LuLaRoe, she was saying that uh, everything she's gotten is because of LuLaRoe. And she was a single mom and she had nothing and and she says that LuLaRoe didn't do anything that most of these other companies don't do. She's right. A lot of these MLMs are pyramid schemes. Or if they're not, they're one little tiny step for being a pyramid scheme. Like they've consulted a lawyer and they said, well, you can't do that. <laughs> She's right. She's right. That doesn't make LuLaRoe like any better. You know, it is. And that's pretty much the end, guys. Um, they settled out of court with the woman with the miscarriage and stuff like that. They settled out of court with the state of Seattle. I mean, this um, state of Seattle, state of Washington. This um, fucking um, this documentary is like obviously, like I knew a lot of this stuff. I didn't know all the details. The numbers were really that was really interesting to me. That seventy million to one point three billion blew my fucking mind. Um, and I didn't know the exact timeline of everything. So I'm really happy I watched it, but I did know a lot of the drama and I bet you there's a lot of people who have Amazon prime who didn't know all that shit. And I think that they're going to be talking about Lula rich for a while. I would recommend you guys watch it against four parts. It's easy though. Um, really nothing too like nothing too like strenuous. I do wish that they had talked about the Disney, um, licensing cause they did Disney little real stuff. And Disney does license. Um, they can be kind of particular with their licensing, but I'd like to know when Disney pulled their licensing because I, I they they've had to have pulled it by now. And but I bet you it was probably hard to interview anybody at Disney. I bet you it was very hard. Um, they want to keep their jobs. Um, yeah, but I think that's it. I hope you guys enjoy this. I love to take a little break every now and then. Next week, we'll be back with Celebrity Rehab. And this week on the main feed, we will be back with Mob Wives. And I'll talk to you guys then. Later.